Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. Now, this evening is a very interesting evening in the sense that you have to be a person of discernment and maturity to understand the importance of God's purpose and plan for this evening. Can I tell you something? Many times as growing believers, our sense of priority is not perfect. And sometimes that, if we're not careful, that can hinder us. Has it ever happened to you that you went to the place of prayer to pray about something? And, you know, something was heavy on your heart. And as you were praying about it, expecting God to speak about it, he was speaking to you about something else. Has it happened to you? Raise your hand. And you're wondering like, okay, God, I'm listening to you about this. But what about what I'm here for? And that's the, the dynamics of the spirit realm. The fact that God's priority might just be different from yours at a particular time. And it is one of the lessons a minister must learn early. Not to succumb to the pressure of popular demand. So that he can be a true man of God and say what God will have him say per time. Because the Bible says that in the last days, perilous times will come. And people will heap for themselves. Teachers having itchy ears. So there is a way to succumb to the desires of people. And you cease to be a prophet of God. So like I said, you have to understand who you're dealing with in God. He is wiser than men. And when you're coming to God, you have to assess your priorities well. Because sometimes you think, like I said, when this camp meeting started, Saul was looking for a donkey. His father's donkeys. He went to a prophet to ask the prophet, please, can you tell us where our father's donkeys were? But before Saul came, God had already told the prophet that the person who is coming is going to be the next king. So God had a bigger plan in mind. Wanted to make him king, but he was looking for donkeys. And you see many times that conundrum in the Bible where someone thinks this is what is top of my list, but God has something else. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, I know you are a great teacher come from God because no one can do these great miracles except God be with him. And Jesus responds and said, except the man be born again. He can't see the kingdom of God. You know, what did he say and what are you saying? Is this what we are talking about? I just gave you a compliment. At least say thank you first. But there was a priority to be addressed. He said, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you see, one thing that God wants to do in this camp meeting is to readjust our priorities. Years ago, I was preparing for a prayer meeting. And I wanted to bring all those gymnastic prayer points. You know gymnastic prayer points? They're always repetitive. Call and response. Every force. Every force. In the village. In the village. You know those kind of prayer points. You know. And the Lord gave me one task. He said... Only pick prayer points from the New Testament. Fundamental desire that God has. 
He wants, to, he wants you to grow in the knowledge of his word. As a ministry, God is preparing us for, me, for posterity with this camp meeting. He said, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you that your fruit will abide. He said, I chose you that you will have fruit and that your fruit will abide. It's not just enough to have fruit. God wants the fruit to abide, to remain, to stand the test of time. You have to be a good student of ministry, of history, to realize people have done great stuff in the running, <laughs> literally. From verse 11, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness of deceitful plot, plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Now, there are three important points I want to highlight from this. And then we move on from there. Number one, ministry gifts have the same purpose. You say, why is this important? You're going to find out. Ministry gifts have the same purpose. Maybe you have wondered, what is the difference between an apostle and a prophet? What is the difference between a prophet and a teacher? What is the difference between a pastor and a teacher? Well, God will have you understand what they have in common before you understand the difference. And he says he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and he said they all have the same purpose. Equipping the saints to come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. So it doesn't matter the office to which you think you have been called. Fundamentally, you have the same assignment. You are only operationally different. You are fundamentally the same. Listen, this is so important. All ministerial offices are fundamentally the same and operationally different. What is the fundamental assignment of a prophet? Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry so that they can measure up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. You may be good when it comes to revelation gifts, word of knowledge, prophetic gifts. You can call phone numbers. You can call bank account numbers. But can I tell you something? If you do that, many people will come. And they'll be excited. But you have missed your purpose. Are you listening to me? Just in case you have not noticed already, this is a message for the body of Christ. No matter what else you do as a minister, don't forget what he has actually called you to do. To equip saints for ministry. So if you are not equipping saints for ministry, you might be healing a lot of sick, flowing in power, but you have missed your purpose. Please, are you listening to me? So equipping is not for teachers alone. Equipping is not for pastors alone. Equipping is for all 
ministerial gifts. Oh, he is the one, Jesus is the one who chose them and gave them these assignments. So they must know their assignments because where the purpose of a thing is not known, then abuse becomes inevitable. This is so crucial. The Bible tells us something very touching in John chapter 6. Jesus had performed a great miracle. And he multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed the multitude. Oh my God, the people were flabbergasted. They couldn't believe their eyes. In a time of a depression, of a recession, where the, the Roman Empire is colonizing us, we are suffering heavy taxation, then you give us free food. We might not have been interested in your doctrine, but this thing where you do. Uh, so now there was a great multitude. Jesus had gone away briefly. He came back to find a great multitude. Just the same way, you might think you have a problem with church growth. Just start feeding people. And then when the multitude comes for the food, you may be happy. But guess what? That's not ministry. So they came. And I'm not saying it's wrong to eat as a church. They did that very often in the early church. But I'm saying we must not forget the crux of the matter. So Jesus could tell, these same people who won't love to hear him preach, they don't want to hear anything about God. But they love the miracles. They love the food. And they wanted to make him king. And then he said, I am the bread. Don't labor for meat that perishes. He said, I'm the bread come from heaven. If anyone eats me, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he will have eternal life. The Bible said, everybody except the 12 disciples turned and stopped following him from that day. That means you can have a multitude that is not really interested in ministry. If they left, they were never really with him. And that's why every minister of the gospel must have the boldness to stay in the will of God, no matter the pressure of the people. Can I tell you something? It is very convenient to discover what people like and stick with it. When you discover that when you did something in church, everybody liked it, you will start doing it every week every week and you will forget why you are called the bible says jesus said go make disciples of nations but you had one career fair and you discovered a lot of people came then your division of your church changes to raise world-class leaders how can that be division of a church listen i'm saying this respectfully i love the body of christ I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I know it all. But what I'm sharing to you is the word of God. Praise the name of Jesus. We have a specific vision. All ministry gifts have the same fundamental assignments. They might be operationally different, but they are fundamentally the same. Say loud amen if you believe that. Amen. Number two. God wants his children to believe the same thing. God wants his children to believe the same thing. 
He said, till we all come in the unity of the faith. I explained that to you. The Greek word used there is actually unanimity of the faith. For us to be unanimous in faith. For all of us to believe the same thing. That's the will of God. And we shouldn't be passive about it. We should be active about it. If that's the will of God, we should want to see it. To believe the same thing. There are thousands of denominations in the world right now. Thousands. Yet the Bible says there is one faith. One Lord. One baptism. And we have gotten so used to it. And we think it's love walk. Not to respectfully ask people why they believe what they believe. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of nations. But you know what we are doing? We're going to the nations and say, oh, this is what you believe. Oh, I believe different. No problem. We're cool. That's not what he sent you to do. He said to make disciples. This is so important. Why so many denominations of Christianity when there is one truth? You can love people and still tell them the truth. In fact, telling them the truth will be a proof of your love. If you believe that really the message that you have is the message that saves souls, you will share it. It's not an opinion. It's not political party. Oh, you APC, PDP, okay, no problem. Eh, eh. There is no other name given under heaven by which men should be saved. If you believe that, you will preach boldly. Praise the name of the Lord. So when you look at several different sects and what they believe, for instance, we believe Jesus on that cross said it is finished. The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God. Meaning the demands of justice have been met. But we have, you know, um, religious groups like Seventh-day Adventists who believe that Christ is still atoning for our sins. That he just, what he did on earth was part one. He's suffering somewhere. Now, that's huge. That's huge. If you love Jesus and you believe in his finished work, that's not something to look away from. You, you, you're going to want to help them, to reach out to them. To say, I, I, I see your passion. You, you, fundamentally, you are seeking to please God, but you are wrong in your doctrine. You have to be open to that conversation. The Jehovah's Witness, they don't believe the same thing you believe about Jesus. They believe Jesus is an angel. Are you aware that Jesus is an archangel? And can I tell you something? The church needs to wake up. The most popular children's Bible story book when we were growing up is by Jehovah's Witness. People don't know that. And in that story book, they put that Jesus is an angel. And we, as a church, have focused on everything except the things that matter. 
They are more evangelical. You know, some guys, something happened years ago that changed my life, as in just reaffirmed my commitment to teaching the truth of God's word. Some guys were giving flyers from their church to invite people to their church. On the flyer, respectfully, there was nothing about the gospel there. It just said, come, Jesus makes rich. Come, Jesus heals. Come, you know. And so these guys went for evangelism to invite people to their church. And they went to this storehouse, this shop. The lady in that shop is not even educated when it comes to secular educated, education. But she, she um, attends this, one of these Jehovah Witnesses branches. And you know, whatever, you've, <laughs> whatever you have against those people, you know they don't joke with their doctrine. They train their people well. An average Pentecostal can tell you 20 scriptures that prove that God wants to bless him financially, but he cannot defend any other doctrine of Christ. It's a problem. You know it's true. So they went there and said, come to our church. Jesus makes rich. She said, who is Jesus? I will prove to you with that Bible you are holding that Jesus is not God. So my wife coincidentally came in to buy something and heard the conversation. So she came back and said, you're going to love what is happening in there. By the time I came in, one of them was already saying, hmm, she has a point. <laughs> When they have evangelized the evangelists. <laughs> it's a problem. Can I tell you something? The deity of Christ is Christianity 101. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word, meaning God, became flesh. That's Christian. Can I tell you something? Yet, these basics are hardly mentioned. Hardly. And so people who are going out as evangelists cannot prove the deity of Christ. Only God knows what would have happened if there was no one there to engage that lady for them. Only God knows. So now you want to ask, so you've been in church since you were a child and you don't know this. It says, till we all come. So listen, you can be going to church and not be growing. You, know, you need to understand this. He wants you to come up. Grow up. He wants us to believe the same things. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. To have a unanimous faith. Hallelujah. Oh, this is so crucial. Let me show you some texts that emphasize this. Be Romans chapter 15 verse 5. Romans chapter 15 verse 5. We'll read verse 5 and 6. This is God's will for the body of Christ. Not den denominationalism. One mind and one mouth. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. 
That's what glorifies God. Unity in the faith. Unity in the faith. 1 Corinthians 1.10. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's about to say is important when he says, I beseech you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Can you see this? Do you understand what you just read? Perfectly joined together in mind and judgment. So as a believer in Christ Jesus, I look at the, the denominations. First and foremost, we must have the humility to learn from each other. If Pentecostals learn from the structure of the Catholic Church, they will be better. There has to be a structure. You know, a Pentecostal person can just read some things on the website and just start putting pastor on his name. And nobody's got, no structure. Nobody's going to challenge him. You will just have a program and start. So we can learn from each other. But when you see, maybe the Catholics, there are many, you know, honest ones but fundamentally, there is a problem. The veneration of Mary is a problem. It's a problem. Using symbols. It's a problem. And can I tell you something? These things are so established that when you want to talk about it, it looks like ah, you're touching something sensitive. But it's, it has to be spoken of. Let me show you two texts. It's as if Jesus knew. And Catholics all over the world need to read these texts objectively and consider them well. Turn your Bibles, Matthew chapter 12, verse 47. Matthew chapter 12, verse 47. Jesus was talking, talking to a multitude as usual. And the Bible says, one of them came to him and said, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. You know what he said? He said, who is my mother? Is your Bible open? Yes. See it for yourself. Who is my mother and who are my brethren? <clears throat> he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Meaning, just because Mary gave birth to me, does not give her any special place. He said it. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Anybody who does the will of God, Yes, she was privileged to be the womb by which I was born. But you have to understand this. Jesus is Mary's God. And if Mary was going to be saved, she had to believe in Jesus to be saved. And thank God she did. She was with the 120 in the upper room to receive the Holy Ghost. Read Acts 1. 
The Bible says she was there. One more text. Luke chapter 11 verse 27. Luke chapter 11 verse 27. Jesus was preaching and one woman was just flabbergasted by his wisdom. Overwhelmed by his understanding. And the Bible says as she was talking, she lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bear thee and the paps that bear thee suck. All the wombs that bore you must have been very special. And he said, no. He said, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and do it. Are you with me this evening? He said, he corrected that. So, God in his wisdom knew that many people will run extremes, have extreme views about this woman who is a great woman, by the way. It's a great privilege. Don't forget the angel said, blessed are you amongst women. It's, it's special. But people have stretched it beyond. People are now telling her to pray for them. A believer in Christ telling another person, pray for us. It's error. It's idol worship. If you believe in Jesus, see what he said. I, I don't like to deceive myself. It's either you believe or not. Look at what Jesus said. He said, speak the same thing. The third point I want to draw from this God wants us to grow up. <laughs> to grow up. He said that you should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. He's telling you, some people on the pulpit are trying to trick you. I didn't say it, he said it. They may have churches, but they are trying to trick you. They may hold church programs, but they are con men. All they want is your money. He warned you right here. He says, cunning craftiness. They stage miracles. He says, deceitful plotting. All kinds of things are happening, I'm telling you. And if we would just look into the word, eh, our discernment will be where it ought to be. And that will be our security. I understand, listen, if you're not a man of the spirit, you won't understand why I'm talking like this. I understand my role in my generation. I understand it. And mark my words, I will talk about these things well. Because it's the will of God. You know, when I was growing up, 
I came into the room watching my uncle take off his shirt. And I saw a big scar. And I said, uncle, what happened to you? And he went on with this grandiose fable of how he was in the forest and a lion tried to attack him. And the lion gripped him, you know, in that place. But he caught the lion, you know, and, you know, they were fighting. And eventually tore the lion in, in pieces. I believed it too. That's, that's what it, children believe things. That's the meaning of childhood. I believed it. So from that day in my mind, I was like, ah, daddy is strong, but uncle. So it was many years after he, I mean, he had left the house. I grew up. I was in, I never even challenged that ideology. It never occurred to me. Many years after, I saw him again and I saw this guy. I just, the, my, my, my mind played back and I looked at him. I said, hi. Ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. No problem. Nice one, nice one. And you ought to have that kind of realization in your spiritual devotion too. There's some things you used to believe that now at your age, with your exposure in Christ, you shouldn't be believing it with your exposure, after all God has shown you, done for you, taught you, 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 Paul many times talked about laying aside fables. There are some things that are fables. They are not doctrine. They are fables. Old wise fables. Hallelujah. Let's look at Jude verse 3. The text we've read many times and we'll read many times, many more times. Jude verse 3. It said, Beloved, when I was very diligent to write unto you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend. Contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Contend endlessly. Can you say contend endlessly? Many believers have not been taught to obey this scripture. It said contend endlessly. Greek word, the, the words contend endlessly is one Greek word. It's very long, it's a tongue twister, but I'll say it anyway. Epagonizomai. And don't worry about it, I'll, I'll describe it to you. It's used to describe an athlete's passion to win a contest. When you see a sprint race and, you know, the level of competition, how determined each person is ready to outwit the other person, he said you should have that perspective to the gospel. Because can I tell you something? As you are trying to preach the truth of God's word, there are other falsehoods that are seeking to gain popularity. So, you must have some holy sense of competition. The word of God must prevail at the expense of the schemes of men, the cunning craftiness of men. And that's why you don't look away from falsehood. You talk about it somehow 
I don't know how the church got to where we are. We think that if we keep quiet at falsehood, that's love walk. <laughs> that you're walking in love when you keep quiet about falsehood. But the Bible didn't call it falsehood. It called it immaturity. It says, when you grow up, you will no more be tossed to and fro. It's not love work, it's immaturity. It's a symptom of child, childishness. That you can attend just any Christian program, you don't see any difference. They are all saying the same thing. It's childishness. It says when you, it is kind of like, the, not, it's not a downside to growing, but as you keep growing spiritually, the number of places you can attend will keep reducing. Will keep reducing. He says, stop being a child. And then he said, contend for the faith. So don't be indifferent about doctrine. <laughs> don't be indifferent about it. You must add your voice. Lend your voice so that the word of God will be popular. It must prosper on your account. Be a student of history and discover that the truth has never prevailed without efforts. The truth has never, if you, if you do nothing, it will be forgotten. Look at some of the places where Paul preached. The country called Turkey today. Paul did ministry there. See the, how few Christianity is there. How, you know, almost non-existent. If you are a student of history, you understand that if you don't uphold standards, they will fall. Standards obey the law of gravity. If you don't put up structures to uphold them, they will fall. And so God in his wisdom has told you, contend. Jesus contended. Jesus didn't mind words. You know, Jesus, many of the things he taught were very controversial. And the Pharisees did not like him. Of course you know that. So in Matthew chapter 15 verse 12, the Bible says that Jesus had preached. And when he was done preaching, some people came to him. The disciples came to him to say, ah, the Pharisees did not like what you said. You know what he replied? He said, every plant. Are you with me? He said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. When he said plant, he was talking about doctrines and doctrinal institutions. That is, any plant, any popular doctrine that is not of God must be rooted out. That's what Jesus said. When he said it, the people knew who he was talking about. Though. So it is pop, it's possible for a doctrine to be very popular and it is not of God. But he said they must be uprooted. That establishment must be uprooted. Jesus said that. Hallelujah. When Paul went to preach in Ephesus, these were idol worshippers. They were magicians. They had magic books, curious arts. But as he preached and worked miracles, the Bible said, Acts 19.20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So that word prevailed talks about competitiveness. 
contend, you see? So he's talking about prevailing at the expense of another ideology. So what I'm telling you is very biblical. You should seek the popularity of the truth of God's word in your day. Seek it passionately. Passionately. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You know, I realized I had not been titling, giving titles to the sermons I've been preaching since this camp meeting started. Have you noticed? It's slightly on purpose. So let me give you the title. It's a series. This is part three. Our spiritual identity. Our spiritual identity. So part one was our spiritual identity saved by grace. Part two, yesterday's own, our spiritual identity, charismatic church. We are a charismatic church. We must keep believing that God heals. We must keep believing in charismatic gifts because the Bible teaches it. And next, our spiritual identity, today's own, our spiritual identity we are an orthodox church. And when we talk about orthodoxy, some people think about maybe Anglican and stuff like that. And there are many good orthodox churches. But I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about an ideology, orthodoxy. What is orthodoxy? Orthodoxy refers to singleness of beliefs. Can you say singleness of beliefs? So when the Bible says believe the same thing, that's orthodoxy. Singleness of beliefs, it refers to the creed and the doctrine of a group of people. The creed and the doctrine of a group of people. The creed and the doctrine of a group of people. So Christianity is an orthodox faith. We must know what we believe. Did you hear what I just said? We must know what, we have an identity. A doctrinal identity. Not in a world where many things sound nearly true. We must know our identity. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read from verse 1. I have to move very quickly. Are you in 1 Corinthians 15? Open your Bibles quickly. Are you learning anything? Yes. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. I love this consistency. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Meaning what I'm saying now is not different from what I said before. This is important because don't forget in Galatians 1, 8, he said, even I or another person, if we preach any other gospel, let such a person be accursed. So what, even me, I'm not permitted to change my mouth. What I said at first is correct. So I'm saying what I said before. 
He says, which also you have received, wherein you stand. Which also, by which you also you are being saved, if you keep in memory which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. This, do you know this is very important? He's telling you, I did not make it up. What I'm preaching to you, I also received it. So, nobody... See, we, Christianity is not the ingenuity of any preacher. You, just, you can't come up with ideas and call it rema. You know, we use rema to excuse a lot of heresy. When something is not in the Bible, we call it rema like we received something fresh. You can't find it. You know what I'm saying. But even Paul said, what I'm teaching is what I received. This is so important. And now he is going to give them the fundamentals. <laughs> How that Christ died for our sins according to the and he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So see how he's repeating according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. Do you know what this means? It means that though it is true that I have seen him with my eyes, I believe it first and foremost because the scripture said it. This is one thing Pentecostals need to understand. Someone can just see a vision and start preaching it as doctrine. Any encounter, any supernatural encounter that is not in line with the scripture does not count. That's orthodoxy. Even if you say you saw Jesus, if what that Jesus said cannot be found in the scriptures, you are wrong. So he says, all that he said had been verified though. People saw Jesus, he showed himself alive, but he said according to the scriptures. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's orthodoxy. Standing firmly on the word of God. He said, you believe it and daring you stand. Let me tell you a story. A very powerful story. In Luke chapter 24, the Bible tells us that two men were walking the road to Emmaus. At this time, Jesus had been killed already. And... They had heard that Mary Magdalene went there and claimed to have seen him alive. So they were talking about it. And all of a sudden, Jesus came and joined them. He had already been raised from the dead. Joined them. And he said, ah, young man, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, are you new in this city? Don't you know what's happening? Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a great prophet from God, was killed. We thought he was the one that was going to deliver us politically from the Roman Empire. We th they didn't understand Jesus' assignment. And they killed him. Now we're hearing some people say he's alive. You know what Jesus said? Look at verse 25. Luke 24, 25, are you there? Yes, then he said unto them, 
foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Listen, this is very powerful and I'll tell you why. Jesus told the disciples before he died that he was going to die. Did he not? He said it more than once. In fact, when he said it once, Peter grabbed him and started rebuking him. Don't say that. And he said, get it behind me, Satan. So it was very established. I'm going to die. And now he died according to his word. He rose again. And they were still doubting. And now he tells these guys, all fools and slow of heart to believe. He could have said, slow of heart to believe all I've been telling you. Did I not tell you I will die and I will come back? He didn't say that. He said, slow of heart to believe the scriptures, the prophets. Meaning, oh my goodness. Jesus, who is the very word manifest, still placed the scripture above his own testimony. This is powerful. He pointed them to the scriptures. He could have said, I told you, I'm, I, touch me. Is this not me now? Am I not here? But he said, slow of us to believe. This is orthodoxy. And now, that's why every man of, man of God must be humble. Because if Jesus can do this, could put the word of God first, how much more us? Slow of us to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. And then he says, Ought not the Christ, verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? Did not the scripture say that this Christ would die and rise again? He didn't even say, Did I not tell you? He said, Did the scriptures not say so? Look at verse 27. Everybody read together. One, two, go. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He could have just said, see, touch me, I'm alive. Okay, ask me a question that you know I will know. <laughs> he didn't do that. He began to prove it from the word of God. Beginning at Moses, meaning the books written by Moses. From Je Moses wrote the first five books. So he started from Genesis. He went through the entire Old Testament. It was a long walk. They walked several miles. He explained to them in all the scriptures, the things written concerning him, himself. Guess what? This is the powerful revelation. Oh my goodness. Are you with me? In all this, he had kept um, the discernment of himself from them. So they didn't know who they were talking to. They just thought it was a stranger. He did it miraculously, so they didn't know. They just thought it was some stranger. Ah, this guy knows the Bible. And they kept walking. Eventually, he followed them to their house. After he had explained Christ from the scriptures, he was to die, he was to rise again. Then he broke bread. And then, after he broke bread, the Bible says their eyes were opened. And they saw him. The question is, why did it happen that way? Why did he do it that way? Never forget this. He did it that way because he wanted them to discern him first in the scriptures. Before they discern him. Listen, 
That's how to know God. Not by anything physical. Oh, he's five foot tall. Yeah, he's here. There's something that curves here. He wants us to discern him in the written word. Before we did. So now they said, no wonder. As he was talking, our heart was burning. So they descend him spiritually. They knew Christ spiritually. That's true spiritual growth. In the word, and that's orthodoxy. No matter the vision I see, no, if, if I see a vision of someone, white cloth with red shawl like this, <laughs> and flowing hair, you know how the movie said it, it looks. I will first listen to what he says to know who I'm talking to. Because the Bible says even the devil presents himself as an angel of light. So you descend things spiritually, not by physical. It says descend no one after the flesh. It says not to descend Christ after the flesh. You descend the Son of God in the Word of God. That's the way to know him, in his Word. If you are not a student of the Word, you will be poor in discernment. Do you know what it means? That Israel had been waiting for the Messiah for many centuries. And the Messiah came, they didn't know him. They even killed him. If you are not a student of the word, you will make the same mistake if you were in their shoes. Because you have to discern him. The truth may not be popular. That's why you have to be a good student. It's not by what everybody is saying. It's what the word says. And that's what I'm trying to train you. That's what I'm trying to train you to understand. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. So we have a creed. We have a doctrine, something specific that we adhere to. I want to show you three texts that talk about this. Then I start to bring this to a close. Romans chapter 6 verse 17, 2 Thessalonians 2 15, 2 Timothy 1 13. Romans 6 17 first. Romans 6 17. Hallelujah. Everybody read Romans 6 17 together, one, two, go. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. So the doctrine has a form. It is specific. It is not open-ended. So when we receive it, we must retain the form in its totality as we pass it on to the next generation. Paul said, what I received is what I gave you. That form of doctrine. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions. Listen, our doctrine is a tradition. Passed from generation to generation. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
That is why every mature Christian is not eager to hear something new. Let me tell you something. One of the devil's greatest tactics is curiosity. That's how the first temptation happened. He told the woman, if you eat this fruit, you will be wise. From that day, the woman saw the fruit differently. The Bible says she saw the fruit as one desirous to make one wise. How can you tell by looking at it? Because of that negative opinion, she saw the fruit differently. That's curiosity. Ah, what will happen? You just want to read everything. Go for every program. And all sorts of men of God will lay hands on you. They will tell you, go to the ocean, you will go. Take this soap, you will take. Bathe this. You have drank all kinds of rubbish. God brought you here to deliver you. People, you know, they will be bathing adults, adults, in the name of religion. Adults. Adults. They will tell you to bring silly things. Cocoa yam. And, and you will bring. Is that not, is that not, is that not jazz? That's a herbalist. Yes, sir. Bring white cloths. Sprinkle salt, and you bring it. You tie rubbish on your waist. You, a churchgoer, after all God has taught you. Because you are desperate. That's another thing the devil uses. You are desperate for a miracle. You will go anywhere. Anywhere. You want a child by all means. Then the devil gave you kokoyam. That's why you are wondering why the child does not hear what. He can't hear what. They say this boy does not listen. You are wondering why. Have you not forgotten where you went? It's coconut head. Coconut head. That's what they hear. You see, he does not hear what. You are still wondering. And hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or, or epistles. Hold the traditions. I told you, God wants to raise solid Christians by this ministry. Solid. People who know who they are in Christ. People who cannot be tossed to and fro. Some people, you, you are too fidgety. Anybody that wears white clothes that just calls you on the road, come, I have a word for you. Say, yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with What's the matter? You should be ashamed that they couldn't discern that there's something different. Years ago, I parked my vehicle at the mall. I was about to come down. One alpha came to me and said, Hello, brother. I want to tell you something. His friends in the other car were calling him, come, leave him alone, come, leave me. <laughs> I was like, ah, why now? Should have been nice. <laughs> they were shouting, leave him alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to train you. 
So can I tell you something? You might wonder why some jazz charms still work on some believers. You might have wondered why they still fall victim of one chance. It is because of inordinate desires. Can I tell you something? If you are a believer and you are too desperate for money, desperate for healing, the devil can catch you. Years ago, I didn't know what one chance was. This was a long time ago, about, uh, I think, at least nine years ago. And I was in a vehicle. I entered a cab. This is not an exclusive cab. So the guy, you know, and then all of a sudden, the driver told the other passenger, what did you put in my boot? What did you put in my boot? So the guy said, ah, it's dollars. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they parked. And so I said, excuse me, why did you park? Are you going or not? So the guy looked at me surprised. Ah, dollars. He turned to the other guy again. Where did you see that money? He said, I'm sorry. My old guy died. So I just took the money, you know, to help myself. Uh, my mother is sick. Uh, if you allow me, we will share it. I said, excuse me, are you going or not? He looked at me again, dollars, dollars. I said, are you going or not? So he said, I'm not going. So I just came down, walked away. I didn't even know anything had happened. So two days later, I just brought it up with my mom. Ah, see, oh, I entered the car. She said, hey, you know African moms? You see, thank God, oh, that was one chance. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. It says, and I read, it says, hold fast the form, you see it again, the form of sound words, which thou hast heard from me in faith and in love, which is in Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 28. It says, he's talking to pastors. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Oh, boy. Listen, maybe you don't even know how you became a leader in your church. As far as they are concerned, you were committed. You used to arrange chairs. You, need to, you used to clean, you know, and you were regular for Bible study. And, I mean, from a natural standpoint, it was only fair that they would trust you with more responsibilities. But he's helping you see the spirituality behind it all. He says, the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. He's reminding you. Don't forget, you are accountable to the Holy Ghost. You will give account. And so he says, be careful how you handle God's sheep. Be careful how you handle God's flock. Because the Holy Ghost made you overseers. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Sometimes we get so carried away. There are some things that are so popular in the church, yet so wrong. God delivered me from many of them. As a young believer, I couldn't understand why you take a seed to a man of God and just say, drop it here. You know. The fact that you are spiritual does not mean you can't say thank you. Are you aware Paul said thank you many times? He mentioned names of people. Ephaphroditus, Macedonian church. He mentioned you can be thankful. 
You may not know. Pride is about to lead you to your downfall. You don't know. Nobody can talk to you anymore. He says, take heed. Watch yourself. After you watch yourself, then watch the flock. There must be a self-observation first. Watch the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. It says, feed the church of God. Feed the church. You can bring, you know, have parties, bring comedians. I have many of them as friends. But that's not ministry. Comedy is not ministry. We can have extracurricular activities as a church because we are supposed to have friendships in church. Our best friends should be church guys. I hope you know. But let's not forget what our ministry is. He says, feed the church of Christ. You can be healing people and not feeding. After you call account numbers and give word of knowledge, teach them, teach them, teach them who they are in Christ. Make sure they are equipped for ministry. Praise the Lord. It says, feed the church of Christ which he has purchased in his blood. Listen, blood gave us the privileges we have. Let's never forget that. This is sacred. This is important. We're not here to joke. Someone died for us. He purchased us with his blood. So let's take it seriously. When people come, let's grow them in the word. Let's grow solid people. Oh, thank you, Lord. Look at it. It gets deeper now. Verse 29, it says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. It says false teachers will come. They will try to deceive people and lure them from the truth. False teachers will come. It says, I know this. It says, also of your own selves shall men arise. Meaning there will be men who started the right way, but will forget along the line. Of your own selves will men arise. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples. They will have disciples. Listen, you cannot judge the authenticity of a ministry by the size. It says, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you every night and day with tears. Meaning I warned you every day for three years that false teachers are coming. That's how important this is. And now he tells us content. Think about it. If there were false teachers in Paul's day, how much more now? While Paul was alive, oh, false teachers still arose. People that Paul converted, they still lost focus. Galatian church, he had to write to them, who bewitched you? Paul's own converts. Talk less of now. So we have to be, listen, the Bible says the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last day, people will give yield to seducing spirits. 
This is a prophecy of the end time. And that's why God is preparing his church. There will be many people who look like it and sound like it, but are preaching another gospel. You have to have a discernment in the word. You won't be able to tell by the look of the church, this type of suits they wear, you will only know if you are a student of the word. Last tells and then we close. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. What you're about to read is a prophecy of this ministry. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh, glory to God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. You know, it is very sad that this scripture has been used for spiritual warfare to fight demons. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And yeah, we have very powerful, devastating weapon in the name of Jesus. But that's not what this is talking about. The strongholds is talking about are not witches in the village. Those ones are easy. I'm telling you, the real strongholds, the real powerful strongholds, you're about to see it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the mighty true God to bring down strongholds. Look at verse 5. Casting down what? What stronghold is he talking about? Is he talking about a shrine in your village? Some charm in your village? What stronghold? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Have you tried to teach the word of God to people and they are so cast set in their ways? Do you know that ignorant people are easier to train than misled people? This is why you shouldn't take falsehood lightly at all. Because it forms a stronghold in people's mind. Now, the word of God cannot penetrate easily. So now, for you to help people like that, Paul says it's war. He says, I'm coming with weapons. My doctrine is a weapon. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. Casting down imaginations. And we do this not by prayer, but by teaching, sound teaching. Sound, have you ever listened to a teaching and it's like there was factories reset. Things were falling down. You were hearing clanging things in your head. That, hey, where have I been? That's what he's talking about. Casting down, throwing things away. Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because I'm telling you, wrong teachings have affected people. Wrong teachings. Wrong teachings about salvation. Wrong teachings about spiritual gifts. Wrong teachings about money. Wrong teachings. And people have suffered. One of our pastors went to a restaurant and saw an old friend. And he was talking to the guy, you know. And then he said, I talked about church. And the guy said, I'm not going to church again. And he said, why? He said he went for a church program. And then the pastor said, sow your car 
and in so and so months, the Lord will. So I think he went home, persuaded his parents to give their only car. And then months had passed. Listen, we believe in generosity. But some people have put up funny structures to make a merchandise of people. If they've turned it to MMM, if you give in three months, Bible giving is not that way. Can I tell you something? If you give to get, that's no longer generosity. It is a simple, if you give to get, that's investment, not generosity. If you give to get, you are not giving because you love. These are simple things. And, and some people have been so misled. Now, the guy thought it was God that was the problem. And because many people have misrepresented God, some people have turned their back on Christianity. That's why you must take sermons like this seriously. People need to stop misrepresenting us. Casting down imaginations. Can God ask you to give your car? Yes. I, I, I'm going to teach on it. Be patient, okay? But for now, casting down what? And every high thing. This was what Jesus was saying when he says, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. Someone was listening to a man of God. The man of God was teaching on honor. Honor for your spiritual father. And he said, you should honor your spiritual father to the extent that if he tells you he wants to sleep with your wife, that you, you allow him. I'm telling you. All kinds of things are happening. Hallelujah. The Bible says, casting down what? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because it may sound like truth. It may even smell like truth. And it's not the truth. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you learned anything? So now... You must see your responsibility in all this. You have a part to play. You must be vocal about the truth. Be vocal. Share it on social media. Tell the truth. People are very confident in their error. How much more you that claims to know the truth? Talk about what you know. Become bold to share the gospel with people. Tell people about Jesus. Invite them to your church. If you feel you're being blessed, invite them. Send them resources. Send them sermons. Become passionate. The gospel must prevail on your account. It says contend. Meaning if I look at you and you're passive, you're disobedient. So contend must be the description of your devotional favor. I must be able to see that you are fighting for the truth to prevail. Let me say this. I said this week ago, weeks ago, and I'm saying it again. <laughs> Every one of you who spoke up during the NSAS movement, and rightly so, you did the right thing. But now, it has become an eternal witness against you that if you don't speak about Jesus, it is not because you were shy. 
it is because you don't value him. It has become an eternal witness. So God knows you can speak up for the things that really matter to you. That you could go on the streets, carry placards, and you are a Christian on your wall, no indication of gospel there. But now, Sorosuke, 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 everywhere. <laughs> so now, just imagine, imagine this. At the end of your life, you stand before Jesus. What, what would be your excuse? If you can speak up for your country, speak up for Jesus. Speak up for Jesus. And that's why he has called you here. The real reason he called you is to raise an army in you. An army for the invasion of the truth of God's word in your, in your day. It must prosper in your day. It must prosper in my day. It must prosper on my account. I will not be silent. I will not keep quiet. I'm going to be bold. I'm bold in the Lord. I'm going to speak up for Jesus. My generation will know the truth. Hallelujah. Rise to your feet. Just make those declarations. Make those confessions right now. I'm bold. Bold in the Lord. I speak the truth. Without fear, I speak the truth in love. Oh, thank you, Father. You've made me a voice in my generation, bearing witness to the truth. I will not be a hypocrite. I will not be silent. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. We have prayed. I want to challenge you. Give God your life. Give him your energy. Don't pretend as if you don't know what you can do for him. You know. You know we sing some religious songs. I have nothing to give you. You have, you have something to give. You can speak up for him. Because preaching is one of the, one, the few things he will not do for himself. There is something you can do. There is something you can do for God. Don't ever say you don't know what to give. Sponsor the gospel. Speak up for the gospel. Be bold. The moment you see him at the end, you will wish you could go back and do more. This is the chance you have. The only chance you have. I'm telling you, the moment you see him, you will wish you could go back and do more. This is the chance you have. Speak up for him. And I can assure you, this is what this ministry is really about. 
So I don't know why you came. But God has asked us to raise an army in you for the propagation of his message. Maybe all your life you've been asking God to do things for you. This is something you can do for him. He said that's why he called you here, to train you, to aid you in his will. Speak up for him. Don't say he has not told you. He sent me to tell you. All the things you are asking for. He says, seek above all things the kingdom of God. Seek first and all these things shall be added. Seek him first. Put him as number one. Make him your number one priority next year. Make him your number one priority in your life. If you give him your lifetime, he will take care of you. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word. We are doers of your word. We are not hearers alone. Lord, as we leave this place, we live with a fire, a fervor in our hearts. You have raised in us an army. We contend, we compete for the prevalence of the truth. You said many run a race, but one receives the prize. We race to win. In the mighty name of Jesus, you said we should go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. And this is what we will do. We take this commission seriously. Ah, the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life unto death. Father, we march on unhindered and unrestricted. And every plant that our Heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted out. Thank you, Father. Give him the praise right now. Worship him. Worship him. Thank him. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.